Welcome to a New Testament journey. We'll have our Bible reading followed by our devotional. Chapter 2. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Saviour, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is, is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. And for this purpose I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying, and a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. Therefore I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. I also want the women to dress modestly, with decency and propriety, adorning themselves, not with elaborate hairstyles or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for a woman who profess to worship God. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. But women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love and holiness with propriety. I don't know what to do with verses 11 to 15, which seem to speak into the role of women. Leslie, my wife and I come back to them regularly and try to understand how to adopt them in our practice. The Greek is difficult and the culture Paul is writing about is very different from our own. But I'm not happy just to ignore the verses or write them off as obsolete. I know this book is life and truth for everyone in every age. And so I keep coming back to these verses to think on them some more. However, at the same time as that, I mourn the fact that it is these few verses that get all the attention in this delicious chapter. The first few verses are so barnstormingly brilliant, they could get a standing ovation several times over. I love the fact that God is called our saviour. I know it's a phrase we've heard time and time again, but isn't it astonishing? that his generous commitment towards us is the defining feature of our God. God holds time in his hands, but he wants to hold us too. God's aspect could be fixed on the beauty of the stars or the iridescence of his own being. And yet, isn't it just crazy that he turns his regard to us? God spends time thinking about and longing for all kinds of people from all kinds of places to come to him for cleansing, and healing, and empowering in his love. God actively chooses to fix his attention on them out there, deciding and desiring that they would discover what their life is really about. And as people who love our God, and who want to become like him, there is a clear call to action, to lift up holy hands in prayer, to pray for everyone. Paul sees us coming to the throne room of our God, and gazing upon his splendour and seeing his compassion for the nations and being drawn into that compassion through prayers, intercessions and teaching the true faith. 
And so we pray for our work colleagues and our neighbours and our bosses and our politicians and whoever else we come across. We lift them up to God in prayer, pleading for their eyes to be open to his goodness and their ways to be conformed to his will. It's a magnificent call, enabling us to resemble our magnificent God. Oh, Jesus, thank you so much for the privilege and the power of prayer. Here's a question for reflection. Who do you love to pray for? We pray God's word bears fruit in your life. For all the information about the New Testament journey, head to www.anewtestamentjourney.net.